The American Academy of Physician Assistants in Occupational Medicine was the first PA specialty organization when it formed in 1981. What is occupational medicine, and what is the role of the physician assistant in that setting? You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, your host, and with me today is Jack Lasoski, Physician Assistant and Director of Health Services for United States Enrichment Corporation, Paducah, Kentucky. Today we're discussing physician assistants in occupational medicine. Hi, Jack. Welcome to ReachMD. Glad to be here, Lisa. So, Jack, what is occupational medicine? Well, it is the branch of medicine that deals with the prevention and treatment of diseases and injuries occurring at work or in specific occupations. And how did PAs get involved in this field? As you know, PAs were first trained at Duke University uh, School of Medicine, whose first classes were composed of ex-military medics who had extensive medic training and worked in remote areas where they were responsible for the troops in their units and were the extensions of the military physicians at higher levels. So in a way, the first PAs were given birth by military medicine, which I consider a form of occupational medicine. During my training at Duke, I first became aware of occupational medicine PAs when I heard of several graduates who were working on the Alaska pipelines in isolated areas. It was a well-paying job, and it fully utilized the training that the PA program offered and was ideal for those that had prior military medical experience. Prior to my graduation from Duke in 1976, one of my first interviews for physician assistant position was at the Oak Ridge National Laboratories. I was impressed with the sophistication of the medical department. They were doing minor surgical procedures, EKG stress tests, in-house x-rays, had ambulances with firefighters and EMTs, and a cutting-edge clinical laboratory. I was transferred to one of the uranium enrichment plants in Paducah, Kentucky, who had similar facilities, and was fortunate to have a supervising physician by the name of Dr. Richard Rucker, who was one of the best diagnosticians I had ever met. Although I had initially planned to go into emergency medicine, I was fortunate to have stumbled onto occupational medicine and have stayed in the specialty for over 30 years. How many PAs currently work in occupational medicine? According to the AAPA, the American Academy of PAs, there are over 2,000 PAs that have identified themselves as occupational medicine PAs. The number of PAs who actually work in OCMED are much larger, and these would include medical practices such as family medicine PAs or urgent care centers who occasionally deal with occupational medicine in the form of doing DOT physicals, fill out respirator approval forms, or serve as medical providers for area businesses. Why is OCMED a good fit for a physician assistant? I believe they're a good fit because PAs are trained in primary care and focus on wellness. The occupational medical setting allows PAs to practice wellness with a captivated patient population. Most firms buy into the wellness aspect because it makes good business sense. It promotes less absenteeism, better performance, and productivity. What is a typical day for an occupational medicine physician assistant? I don't know if there's a typical day, which is one of the reasons I have enjoyed being in occupational medicine for the past 34 years. I've worked mainly in a plant medical clinic, but have also worked in other settings, and their typical days are a little more regular. Normally, my mornings involve a mixture of administrative and clinical duties. As the director of health services, I am administratively in charge of the entire medical staff, which includes two registered nurses, an x-ray medical tech, and clerk. I also have a full-time staff physician, and we work closely together on clinical issues. So the first order of business is to make sure 
all the staff is in place and ready to see patients, and I check to see if there are any reports of occupational or non-occupational injuries or illnesses that have occurred during the off-shift and make sure that uh, I follow up on their care. In the early mornings, we see all return-to-work patients and review their restrictions and refine restrictions as needed and determine their fitness for duty before calling their supervisors to make sure that they understand the restrictions and accept them to return to work. We also see acute uh, non-occupational illnesses and injuries that patients may have when they arrive to work and treat them or refer them as needed. In the mornings, we usually have several annual routine physical examinations that are mandatory exams that are required for operators, maintenance mechanics, health physics technicians, security police officers, firefighters, emergency squad, asbestosis workers, and other personnel who may need to use respirators, work in a hot environment, or work in a contaminated area. Our exam includes full medical history, audiograms, pulmonary function tests, visual acuity, EKGs, chest PA, and lateral x-rays when required, and lab work to include urinalysis, CMP, and CBC with differentials. Wow. It sounds like employees get the majority of all their medical services at work. Does your role replace a primary care provider? No, we do not attempt to replace the primary care physician. In fact, we urge all our employees to have a primary care physician. We advise them that we do not treat chronic medical conditions. We only treat acute problems when it benefits both the company and the patient. What are the privacy risks of employees receiving this medical care in the workplace? I know I wouldn't want my employer to know all my private medical issues. Well, medical information is strictly confidential. We do not share private medical issues with management. It is important for us to have a thorough medical history on all of our patients in order to make sure that they are not placed in a position where they could hurt themselves or others. In addition, according to the Federal Medical Leave Act, the American Disability Act, and the OSHA regulations, they may require at times that we disclose certain relevant medical information. So do you have any advice for primary care providers on ways to partner with these companies that offer occupational medicine services to decrease the fragmentation of medical delivery? I know I work in primary care and people come in all the time and go, oh, no, I had all my lab work and tests at work. And it's difficult for us to maintain that medical home. Well, the majority of the primary care providers in our area are well aware of the benefit our employees receive regarding medical care and appreciate the up-to-date laboratory results that we provide them. They appreciate our early referral to them in identifying chronic illnesses such as hypertension, diabetes, and emotional disorders at first service in the work area. They also appreciate our sending patients directly to the emergency room by ambulance when we are able to diagnose acute myocardial infarctions, acute abdomens, or other life-threatening conditions. Most of the physicians are very well aware that their patients are going to receive their lab work from us and uh, they hopefully uh, have scheduled it so that they don't repeat it immediately after it's been done. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and I'm speaking with Jack Lasoski, Physician Assistant and Director of Health Services for United States Enrichment Corporation, Paducah, Kentucky. And we're discussing physician assistants in occupational medicine. So, Jack, many of the larger companies have started wellness programs. Do you offer these, and what have been the outcomes of these programs? I believe they've been very successful. However, they can be expensive, and the successful programs require a long-term commitment from the company. Unfortunately, with the recession, they may be the first programs to be cut, and I feel this may be short-sighted. 
Of course, there are various degrees of wellness programs. In our practice, we had programs that dealt with smoking cessation, diabetes, weight control, exercise facilities, employee assistant programs, hypertension, and a variety of vaccination programs, just to name a few. All right, so if I'm a PA and I'm considering a career in occupational medicine, tell me what some of the advantages are for this field. Well, I believe that the hours are certainly advantageous. In my situation, I normally work only Monday through Friday and start work at around 6 a.m. and get off around 3 p.m. I share a call with my supervising physician, but it's rare that we get calls, and most situations can be handled by phone. Another great advantage to my situation is not having to deal with third-party payers for our services. The benefits of working for a large corporation are usually better, especially if there's a labor union. I've enjoyed having 12 days off for holidays and six weeks off for vacation as a 30-year employee. My company is one of the few that has a pension that is paid for uh, entirely by the company. There is also a matching 401k plan, and the dental, vision, medical, and life insurance are largely subsidized by the company. In addition, uh, they have been very supportive in allowing me to attend national, state, and CME activities, as well as allowing me to be in professional leadership positions at both the state and national level. Also, since I work for the company, when a supervising physician retires or leaves for other purposes, the transition is not as traumatic as you would find in a private practice. I think I should consider switched occupational medicine. (laughs) (laughs) How is the physician-supervising relationship managed in OCMED? Well, I have found that the relationship with your supervising physician is the same as found in other types of practice. However, in my experience, the relationship is usually more cordial and less formal, especially when the physician and PA are both employees of an industry in an on-site facility. If a PA supervising physician has an affinity with the administrative side of occupational medicine, then he will tend to use you more on the clinical side of the practice. The opposite is true if he or she does not like to do with the administrative aspects. I've been fortunate to have supervising physicians of both types. So as you know, PAs more and more are specializing these days, and there's a lot of post-grad residency programs, et cetera. Are there any opportunities for increased specialization in occupational medicine? Well, I don't know uh, if specialization would be the right term. In, in my setting, which is a uranium enrichment plant, you become very familiar with radiation accidents. We have a health physics department, and you have to be familiar with radiation dosimeters and contamination. We have a safety department, and you need to be very familiar with the OSHA logs and medical incident reports and workers' comp issues. We also have an industrial hygiene department, and you need to be familiar with toxicology issues in your plan. A significant concern I have in my specific industry are hydrofluoric acid burns, since this is really a chemical industry. And the need to be familiar with the use of calcium gluconate to treat skin burns and respiratory distress. Most physicians in occupational medicine become very familiar with pulmonary function testing and spirometry interpretation with regards to respiratory diseases and respiratory fit testing. They also need to be able to interpret audiology testing and recognizing significant threshold shifts. There are many PAs who are involved in drug and alcohol testing for pre-placement exams and for cause I don't know of any specific postgraduate program that's currently being offered. They had one several years ago that the University of Oklahoma had, but I don't think there's any currently that are accepting any PAs. 
So what changes are occurring in the field? Is there any outsourcing going on that's going on everywhere else in medicine? Unfortunately, many large corporations that had corporate medical staffs have downsized and some have outsourced for financial reasons. However, you know, the outsourcing certainly creates opportunities for physician assistance in other settings. You also serve as the chair of the Plant Infectious Disease Response Team. Tell us about that and your role in the management of the H1N1 pandemic. Well, this year we developed a written pandemic infectious disease protection and response plan, and I serve as the pandemic disease coordinator. In that role, I serve as the chair of the Plant Infectious Disease Response Team, and we meet uh, as the need arises. I serve as a medical advisor on infectious control to plant management. I keep in close contact with public health officials, monitor the infectious disease situation in our region, and disseminate the information to management employees to help them prevent or mitigate a pandemic event. We're also very successful in getting the H1N1 vaccine at an early stage and administering it to our employees on a voluntary basis according to CDC guidelines. So PA practice can be complicated, as in not allowing PAs to treat federal employees injured on the job with the Federal Employee Compensation Act. What is the status of that act currently? Well, there are some outdated provisions in the Federal Employees uh, Compensation Act that does not allow PAs to treat federal workers which are injured on the job. This presents a problem for physician assistants and their supervising physicians. The profession is in the process of trying to correct this uh, through the legislative process. Medical care provided by PAs is not included in the FECA's uh, definition of medical, surgical, and hospital services and supply. This provision unnecessarily limits patients' uh, access to medical care and can add unwanted costs. So for listeners that are interested in occupational medicine, where can they get more information? I would recommend they go to the AAPA site, which is the American Academy of PAs website, which is www.aapa.org. They could go to the American Academy of Physician Assistants and Occupational Medicine, an organization I co-founded in 1981, and at www.aapaocmed.org. In addition, the American College of Occupational Environmental Medicine website, www.acoem.org. Dot org, where you can also find out information about the Occupational Physician Assistance section. Well, occupational medicine is certainly an interesting niche for physician assistants, and we thank you, Jack, for coming on the show and telling us all about it. Well, you're quite welcome. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at ReachMD.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. And you can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And thank you for listening.